Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Technology, intelligence, data. Today we live in a world that's more connected and more transformative than ever before. Our devices are helping us complete tasks at a faster pace and with more precision than we could have ever imagined just a few years ago. But as our lives in the physical and digital worlds become more intertwined, how can we be sure that the algorithms are always on our side? And how can we safeguard technology to ensure it doesn't fall into the wrong hands? In this series, we'll be meeting the experts, the technologists, entrepreneurs and activists to ask them some of those important questions and to champion the people using tech as a force for good for all. This is Our Lives Plus Tech, a brand new podcast from Nominet Trust, the UK's leading investor of social tech and the people behind NT100, a global campaign that celebrates the people and organisations who are using tech to change the world for the better. I'm Ada Paris. And on today's programme, we're looking at the blockchain. How can Bitcoin's underlying technology be put to use to help solve other important problems? Something that we're doing right now is a project on the ground in Tanzania with the healthcare provider. And what we're doing there is we're using our technology to ensure that healthcare entitlements for pregnant women are automatically distributed to the pregnant women so that they achieve all of the correct care that they're supposed to during the course of the pregnancy. And we are using the idea of a blockchain smart contract in that case. And ultimately, then we can help the people who need help and we can make an impact where it's most needed. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Niall Dennehy from AidTech, a company using technology to create digital identities for refugees receiving critical aid in areas of conflict or poverty. That's coming up later in the podcast. But first, let's say hello to my guest in the studio. His name's Raphael Mazze. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Alice, a nominate trust-funded programme using blockchain to make charitable giving more transparent. Raphael, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Lovely to have you here. Perhaps you can start by giving a overview of what blockchain is. I mean, I've done events around blockchain and I still find it quite difficult to explain what it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a mysterious technology, isn't it? It's like almost has a cult-like devotion as well. Yeah. Um, well, the, the way the the simplest way that I explain how the blockchain works is that everybody's familiar with the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. And and the blockchain kind of works like that. So imagine a spreadsheet where everybody has an entry in it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is basically their wallet. And everybody has a certain amount of funds that corresponds to to their line. So if I want to send you 
one Bitcoin or one Ether, then I can just do that automatically, and all it'll do is it'll, it'll change the entry in the in the spreadsheet and says I have one less Ether and you have one more. The big difference is that instead of having a bank or an intermediary that manages that process, it's the technology itself that that manages that. So right now, if I wanted to send you some pounds, I'd have to log on to my bank account, tell my bank, instruct my bank to send money to your bank, and they'd have to harmonize their their records amongst each other and with the central bank. And if you want to do international transfers, it's even worse. You have to go through correspondent banks and multiple central banks and all of that. Whereas with blockchain technology, I can do that without any intermediaries. The technology itself secures that so that you can't double spend money. The spreadsheet records how much I have, how much I had, and how much you now have. And it's uh, you can't change the records. That's why they call it an immutable ledger. And then like the slight evolution on that Excel spreadsheet uh, with a technology like Ethereum, which is another blockchain, is that you can build little programs that sit on top of the ledger mm-hmm. that set the conditions under which um, funds can be transferred from account to account automatically. So, for example, if we make bet on the price of wheat in two weeks' time, then you can send money into that little program. I can send money to it as well. And then it'll pull information directly from the London Stock Exchange in two weeks' time, and whoever wins then receives the funds automatically. And those are those little programs are called smart contracts. Okay. Um, in, in the same way that the, the basic blockchain does away with the need for banks, the smart contracts could potentially do away with the need for lawyers, okay. uh, for example. Wow. So... This idea of a decentralised ledger was originally invented around 2008 by an unknown person or people going by the alias of Satoshi Nakamoto. And its purpose was to create a decentralised cash system, Bitcoin, for example. I mean, now there's lots of other cryptocurrencies. But since Bitcoin, technologists, including yourself, have quickly realised that there's great potential for blockchain. Maybe you could start by telling us a bit more about Alice and where you saw the opportunity. So how did you get to that point of understanding the opportunity, the potential opportunity for using blockchain? Sure. So actually, Alice comes from uh, another company that I had with one of the other co-founders of Alice. There are three co-founders. It's myself, Areti, and Jacob, uh, who's our CTO. But Areti and I had a previous company that was all about online advocacy and helping people do more than just uh, sign a petition or like a Facebook page and actually take concrete actions. But that startup failed because part of the business model was people would donate as well as take action. And nobody was donating um, or much less than people were taking action. And we started digging into why, into the reasons for that. And it became really clear really quickly that it was because a lot of people just didn't trust where the money was going, how it was being used, the impact it was making, etc. And we we started looking into how we could solve that problem. It seemed like, it seemed like a, a much bigger problem to, to solve. And that's where the blockchain came in. So I'd been a, I'd been a Bitcoin hobbyist for a while, just following the technology. It, it hadn't really struck me as something mega important, like just be, being able to shift funds around. But when this transparency problem emerged, I thought, okay, here's an application that, that we could use. And then sort of jumped in, started doing researching. This was in sort of 2015. And that's when I came across Ethereum. 
and Ethereum had just launched native smart contracts integrated into it. And that ability there, so that what I was talking about before, the smart contracts are, uh, just blew my mind because then you can program uh, how money is distributed in really interesting ways and in really transparent ways. And that's how the whole journey started with with Alice. And where does the name come from? Whenever you, there are examples about how the blockchain works, it's always Alice sending money to Bob. And uh, so Alice is a giver. Okay. And we started with a giving platform. So that's why uh, we're called Alice. And then we have like some really geeky reasons for which we're called Alice as well. Uh, well, it's a backronym to the hilt. I've been I've been banned from saying what the, the acronym actually is uh, oh, by my co-founders. I say, no, it's way too geeky. <laughs> uh, but the website is Alice.si, right? Yes. So SI stands for social impact and all the okay. rest. <laughs> all the rest stands for other stuff. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, what you just described, in terms of the problem that you're trying to solve, it's it's quite topical at the moment because a lot of charities are having problems or facing scrutiny rather over what percentage of their donations are actually going to their intended destinations as as well as the process of that, that transaction. And there seems to be a lack of trust in the system. But what you've done is you seem to have built a platform that tackles all of this, but it also enables transparency. Yeah, so we're in a social impact platform or network. The end goal is to identify really effective social and environmental projects and then help scale them until they eradicate the problems uh, that they're tackling. So you have some kind of KPIs at the end to say this is the impact that it's had. So you can link directly link the transaction going through Alice.si through to this is the real impact that it has. Yeah, and, okay, and it's not just about donations either yeah, because yeah. we have impact investments now. Okay. So we've just rolled out um, the, the the smart contract infrastructure of the, of the impact investment module. And just like most things in, in the blockchain world, it's all based on incentives. So it's helping to change behavior. Yeah, it's helping to change yeah. behavior or, or get people to act in certain yeah. ways. And, and that's where our funding mechanisms come in. It's fundamentally, we use donations and impact investment to incentivize charities and other social organizations to be transparent about their impact, uh, make that impact data accessible. Mm-hmm. And then we have a whole set of other incentives uh, for people to systematically crunch that data and then compare and benchmark projects amongst each other so the best or the most effective rise to the to the top but we have started with or we did start with um with the donation platform that's actually what nominate trust helped us do with their with the initial funding and the way that that works is you can give to a cause on alice um, but your money only gets paid out when the charity can prove that it's achieved its goals. Okay, so if I was a user coming to, you know, I was somebody that wanted to engage with the platform, what would that journey be like for me? Could you just talk us through the process? Sure. So we ran a pilot last year with St. Mungo's. That was our very first pilot. It was a project that helped 15 rough sleepers in London find accommodation, deal with physical and mental health issues, and deal with drug or substance abuse issues as well. St. Mungo's had set a series of different goals that they wanted to achieve. Um, So they would get paid, say, I can't remember the exact amounts, but uh, something like £700 every time they help someone find a permanent home. Another £1,000 if they help that person stay in their home for for three or six months. They would get paid every time they help someone get into a rehab centre, for example, start dealing with drug abuse issues. And the way that it worked is they had this nice little appeal page uh, explaining what the project was all about. And people uh, could just click donate, enter their credit card details, and and that was that. And then they had a little impact page 
uh, my impact on the on the platform, which is like basically their little dashboard, okay. telling them how much they've donated, how much has already been paid out, if money has been paid out, which goals they contributed to, and then we had a little notification system telling people every time that an outcome was achieved, telling them, hey, your money has been paid. That's now. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and you. <laughs> so. You know, Nominate Trust has been involved in helping to fund some of these pilot projects. How has that helped you? Well, when we started out, we had a great idea (laughs) and we had sort of validated the business case for it and the social case for it. But we didn't have any funds, obviously, to sort of run it, especially as we'd come from another failed startup. So we were pretty tapped out. And we applied for a grant with the Nominet Trust. They gave us the grant, which was, I think was quite brave back in the days because blockchain was still... Exactly. Something yeah. that was really early. People still trying to get their heads around what it actually was, yeah. the potential. Yeah, although now the the great thing is, I mean, we feel that uh, the, the charity world in particular has started catching up with what the potential is because we're getting yeah. a lot of inbound requests. But at the time, it was just like this weird magic internet money used to buy drugs on the dark I come back to that actually later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, they, they, they gave us a grant. They allowed us to develop the donation platform, run our first pilot and get things off the ground, basically. Um, we couldn't have done it without that that initial grant. OK, so going back to the work that you were doing with St Mungo's, how do you measure the additional benefit, the social impact? So we have a white paper on our website uh, that I invite absolutely everybody to read and comment on. Uh, it's quite detailed uh, at the moment. It's like 60 pages long. Uh, but we drill down into many, many aspects of the platform The way it worked for St. Mungo's was that actually it was a spin-off of a social impact bond that was commissioned by the Greater London Authority. And we essentially inherited or used a lot of the thinking, a lot of the design behind that social impact bond for Alice. So the feasibility studies had been done... um, all of these goals that I mentioned, mm-hmm. helping place someone, uh, th- these were things that were thoroughly researched uh, in terms of how much they should cost and what the benefit would be. Uh, there are studies, for example, that show that if you help, it's not just about getting someone into a home, yeah. but if you help them stay in their home. Uh, what is the, the sustainability of the impact? Exactly. So they, they call them sustainment payments. It's okay. like how do you get it, incentivizing them to essentially carry on working with these homeless people and, well, no, no longer homeless. Yeah, but, but changing uh, their lives. Yeah, changing their lives, helping them get their act together in a safe, personal space. Um, The Greater London Authority, the housing team, was the validator in this case. So they were the ones that were looking through everything that that had been achieved and then all the proof reviewed. Now, going forward, defining what is a good outcome and then comparing projects to determine which ones have the best outcomes, not just their track record, but is what they're tackling really worthy. That is going to be one of the major challenges of the platform to yeah. do that in a decentralized it's way. It's subjective. Yes, it is. Well, part of it is subjective. Part of it is really not. There's like a lot of science that goes into this stuff. Obviously, Alice is a multi-year yeah. project. But eventually what we'll get to the point is that there will be uh, incentives for experts to come in and systematically assess the outcomes. And, and that's where it gets weird uh, because that's all about crypto economics and, wow. and okay. the use of, of cryptocurrencies to, to incentivize people to actually do that work. That's the transparency. Yeah. It's enabling people to actually see what the social impact is. Yes, absolutely. So the, the baseline is... I can see 
what directly what impact my money has made yeah. and how it's measured and how much it costs yeah. to measure all of that as well. Eventually, validators will get paid for that work. And so you'll be able to track the or see the exact cost of that as but well as the cost of the outcomes. it's also humanising it, isn't it? For me, it means that there's a stronger connection Absolutely. between this is what I've put in Absolutely. and this is the outcome. Absolutely. Amazing. So with one brilliant application of blockchain to another, I now want to take a quick diversion to feature another company from Nominate Trust's social tech guide. They're called Aid Tech. Uh, their mission is to bring social and financial inclusion to the world's undocumented and underserved populations using blockchain and digital identity. Over to Niall Dennehy. My name is Nal Denhi. I'm the COO and the co-founder of AidTech. And we believe that digital identity is the key to unlocking loads of value-added service that can be in the area of international aid, it can be remittances, it can be welfare, it can be donations. But effectively, what we're trying to do is to bring transparency to industries which were previously opaque. We're very much driven by the uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and if you are familiar with them, they are a set of uh, 17 goals backed by 193 countries. We think of them as the world's toughest to-do list. We're focused on a number of them, and one of the goals in particular is number 16. And there's a target then within 16.9, and that is to bring legal identity to everybody in the world by the year 2030. And we believe that if you give a legal identity to those people who were previously undocumented and they're underserved, that we can bring them into the global financial system, we can offer services that make their lives better than they already are, and ultimately then we can help the people who need help and we can make an impact where it's most needed. So basically what we did was we created a digital identity because right now at the moment there are 2.4 billion people in the world today who haven't got any form of identity. So with the advancements in the technology, when blockchain came along, etc., we can now issue what is effectively a legal identity within a matter of seconds. We can do that en masse. So what we did was we issued identities uh, to the Syrian refugees with the help of the Irish Red Cross. So we were able to take a picture with their permission of who they were, attach some data to that with their consent. And what they were able to do was then go to a shopkeeper the shopkeeper was able to scan the digital identity, which was at the time, and it still can be in this format, was a plastic card with the QR code on it. And the QR code, when you scan that, up would pop an image of the, the individual so that the shopkeeper can see that this is the individual involved, that the image that is displayed would be the same as the, uh, the person presenting at the point of sale. And then he can see a list of entitlements which are basically digital assets that would reside on the blockchain. That could be, for example, a, uh, a bag of rice, that could be a bottle of water. And essentially what we do with our technology is we can represent any real world entitlement or item in the form of a digital asset on the blockchain. And we can send that en masse or individually to an individual, to a group of people, to an appeal. And then you can redeem that at a point of sale and in this case, that was the merchant scanning the QR code, handing over the, the products in the shop. At the height of the so-called refugee crisis in Europe in 2015, at the time, they were sending container loads of goods over to Greece and they were making assumptions about what people actually wanted. And they made the assumptions that people wanted things like water, um, rice. It was a little bit different when the refugees landed in Greece. 
and they found that what they really wanted were things like sanitary products, deodorants, crayons so the children could go coloring. But he said they had no way of determining what the wants of these vulnerable people were before they landed. Had we the technology at the time, we would be able to see exactly what the consumption was on the ground and that would enable us to better plan our logistical supply chain so that we could buy from a vendor here in Dublin or in Europe the products that people wanted and get them to the people when they need them on time. And again, that would ensure that the right people get the right product at the right time. But effectively now with blockchain and with digital identity and by being able to tie data to an individual's identity, you can gather data with their consent on a whole host of things that previously wasn't possible. And by giving people choice over what they purchase, that's something that we, uh, the feedback we get is that they find it liberating. People get a great sense of satisfaction from, and especially if it's the, the female members of the family who in certain circumstances aren't always allowed to determine what purchasing decisions are made, but by giving them an identity, and that identity is tied to who they are, and it's tied to an image of them so that they are the only people who can make the purchase because it's linked to their identity, it's very empowering for the people involved. Something that we're doing right now is a project on the ground in uh, Tanzania with the healthcare provider. And what we're doing there is we're using our technology to ensure that healthcare entitlements for pregnant women are automatically distributed to the pregnant women so that they achieve all of the correct care that they're supposed to during the course of the pregnancy. And we are using the idea of a blockchain smart contract in that case. And what it means is that at a predefined time period, we represent this real world entitlement, which in this case can be a prenatal checkup. It could be your folic acid. It could be a visit to a health clinic. And by sending that automatically to the women, it makes sure that they do all of the things that they should throughout the course of the pregnancy. They achieve all of the, uh, the necessary milestones. And what we're even doing there is every time that they show up for a visit, every time that they receive their checkup, every time that they receive their medical product, we've put in place what is almost like an incentive scheme or a, lo a loyalty uh, reward scheme that they get a physical product as a reward. And in, in some cases, it's an umbrella, believe it or not. And that's something that they, uh, they really value. But we're ensuring then that the women go through the correct phase of the pregnancy as they should. Uh, it's something that they express great satisfaction. And we know that from working with them and the agencies involved, that the pregnant women are delighted that somebody is taking care of their health and ensuring that they should do everything that they're supposed to at every stage of the pregnancy. You're listening to Our Lives Plus Tech from Nominate Trust. And thanks to Niall Dennehy there from AidTech, another brilliant application of blockchain used for social good. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Raphael, for companies like Alice and Atec, there's no doubt the technology works. And there's obviously some measurable benefits. So surely the next step is to scale, broader adoption and scale in. So how do you go about that? Well, actually, I'm not sure that the technology works okay. right now. So I, I wow. just want to, okay. I just want to, it, it's like, it's still, I mean, obviously, we're working on it. Yeah. We see the potential and it's starting, we've got some real life applications for it and it is starting to work. Um, but and are you talking about blockchain <laughs> just in general, the idea? Of, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the, the whole thing because okay. there, there are, you know, this is still a massive social experiment on so many levels. And it's also a, a technological experiment as well. So yeah. the underlying technology is not yet fully mature. Yeah. And we're experimenting with different ways to incentivize people to do stuff, some of which might not produce the effects that we think they will. So I, I just I tell everybody this, uh, including in, investors in Alice itself, that there are there are massive execution risks, there are massive um, technical risks as well. And even though companies like ours are, are starting to blaze a trail, we don't know yet whether it will all pan out the way that we want to. But at least you started on that journey yes. of examining what the pot absolutely. potential yeah, of the absolutely. technology could be. Absolutely. And you have people like Nominate Trust who have taken that punt with you and said, we believe in the idea, we yes. believe in the bigger idea, let's go on this journey together and see where we can get to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, what, uh, that's what it's all about. How do you build trust and confidence in that? There are several ways that you can do that. Um, so for, and, and, and maybe it's important to just look at what the scalability issues are yeah. around this technology because there's a pure technical aspect to it, uh, which is that the throughput of these uh, public blockchains um, don't allow us to, to do things at scale. So whereas with Visa, for example, they, they process, I think, something like 10,000 transactions a second, which allow people to pay with their cards all around the world, That's you know, seamlessly, etc. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not a Visa expert, so it, you'd, everybody should have to Google that and just yeah. double check. But it, it, I think it's that kind of scale. With, with blockchain technology, it's nowhere near that. And recently on the Ethereum blockchain, we, which is what we build on, uh, there was a company called CryptoKitties. Uh, CryptoKitties? CryptoKitties, yeah. Cats on the blockchain. Of course. 
It's, Why not? It's, it's a really interesting. <laughs> it's a really interesting project actually, uh, where they've coded out the DNA, potential DNA for all these cats, and you can breed them together, and you can create. There are some rare genes in there. So, and they render the cats with like these, like really funny cartoonish images of them. So this is all happening on the blockchain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's one of the probably the most popular application on Ethereum. And it for a time there, everybody was obsessed with breeding and trading. Trading their cats because then you can sell them on. I I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Kitties, you never get away from them. They they're they all over everywhere. YouTube and they're on the blockchain as well. Of course they are. But the big problem they cause. So that was a fun way. It was actually really interesting because first of all, is a is a really interesting use of smart contracts, and you can see how it could be applied not just to kitties but like human, yeah. uh, you know, DNA analysis or whatever. Or but the, it was also really great from a, an educational perspective because a lot of people wanted their their kitty and started to learn how to use Ethereum, even if it seems trivial. It's actually a, a great education vehicle. Um, the problem was that it was so popular that it crashed or it it created severe backlogs in the blockchain itself. So the only way that you can uh, bypass that when, for example, you want to make a donation on Alice and for your donation to be registered on the blockchain, uh, if there's a backlog, it's going to take however long it takes yeah. for that to be to be included in the blockchain. Um, the way that you, that you bypass that is that you just attach higher transaction fees to that donation. And so it becomes ability to pay? It becomes who pays the most for their transaction to be yeah. included in the blockchain. Yeah. Because there are people securing through mining at the moment, but it will be through another consensus mechanism later. But doesn't later. that create a level of inequality? It absolutely does. Okay. It absolutely does, and it makes a lot of applications unviable. Um, so we absorb the cost analysis. We absorb the cost of that transaction fee that's um, included with every donation, so that donors don't have to pay for it. But if it becomes too high, it makes the whole thing unsustainable. So you have these problems, uh, scalability problems on a pure technical level. There's a huge amount of R and D um, that that goes into solving this. The great thing is though that there are so many companies working on so many different things that, in theory at least, everything is compatible. And there are massive synergies. So if there are some amazing governance protocols that emerge, mm -hmm. uh, then we can potentially just plug them into Alice, for yeah. example, which is really great. And we've certainly got quite a few partnerships going on, on that front. So do you have any tips for any other companies in a similar situation? S similar situation as in they're building something on the blockchain? Or they, they would like to. Uh, you know, so where do they start? <clears throat> ah, well, well that's, a, that's a whole different set of issues there because there are a lot of companies that are operating in our space and unfortunately um, what has come with the really great potential of blockchain technology has also come with uh, and this ability to, to create incentives for people to act in certain ways has also come with this whole land grab around token sales and ICOs. Um, so, you know, I'm, we've certainly received advice to just go ahead and do a land grab and take as much money as you can where, as, as soon as you can get it while the, while the hype lasts, um, which is a course of action that we completely disagree with. But uh, certainly a lot of companies are, are going down that route. So um, anyone with, well, it used to be the case. I think it's a bit more difficult now. But anyone with a half-baked half idea and a white paper can, can potentially raise a lot of money through these ICOs. I would give people the tip to really try to think through properly your blockchain infrastructure before you go down that route. 
it's not an easy space. So anything anything that you build on the blockchain probably costs twice or three times as much as it would on a normal stack because just because you have that additional complexity, which ranges everywhere from the scripting language uh, and how you code things to the additional security requirements to the cost of running something on the blockchain, as I said before, as well as all the usual issues that you have as a tech company building something. And so, you know, that that actually leads quite nicely into my next question, which is about how do you build a team? We have a set of advisors now that are really helpful that uh, that come from the the charity world, like the Charities Aid Foundation, from the impact investment world, like the Impact Management Project, from the blockchain world. And I think that's really what you what you need. Now, unfortunately, the space has become so crazy now uh, that it seems like there's a there's a blockchain conference or summit or meetup every other day. Um, if you the under that's a, that's really the wild west. It's an underworld of things where it's the a lot of them tend to be pay for play conferences. So when you go there and you listen to people talking about their companies, they've actually paid to be on stage, um, which doesn't curate for the best projects necessarily Um, so you need to find the right places to go and network in uh, the right people you also need to do your research now I mean everybody in their dog has done an ICO or is doing an ICO and uh, are replicating the same things over and over again Uh, so you really want to make sure that you have an interesting and original idea unless you really want to go down the route of I don't care I'm just going to raise a ton of money and we'll and we'll figure it all out later, which are a lot of people going in that, down that route, but which is, I think, is completely counterproductive and is actually driving now a lot of skepticism in our in our space. So before it was the blockchain technology was was just all about money laundering and buying drugs on the dark web, and now it's about well, all, you know, all these bros doing ICOs and trying to trying to buy Lambos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I suppose my takeaway from that is that. You know, looking at Alice.si and what you do, it's actually, first of all, working out what's the big idea, what's the problem you're trying to solve, and then look at the technology rather than, oh, my God, blockchain is a big thing, so we need to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, you talked about a lot of the hype around blockchain and ICOs and cryptocurrencies and all of that, and, you know, that people are jumping on the bandwagon. So where would you say is the place for regulation? Where should that come in? Oh, that's a that's a really tricky topic to talk about <laughs> because there are so many different views. They will go from the the absolute radicals who think that any type of regulation is bad and we should let the sector sort itself. There are a lot of crypto anarchists and crypto libertarians out there uh, for whom any kind of centralized control over anything is bad. So governments are bad, charities are bad, uh, regulators are bad. It's all doom and gloom. Yeah. Well, no, it's not all doom and gloom. It's actually, in in their view, it's a, it's a very liberational sort of technology in that yeah. sense, because in the same way that you don't need banks to manage your money, you don't need regulators to tell you how yeah. to sort things out. Uh, and there is a there is a whole movement around code is law. And then on the other side, there are, there are people who just advocate for maximum regulation, state-backed cryptocurrencies, and regulating the space out of existence, which I tend to be in the middle of all yeah. of that. Uh, we're obviously working on a system that is hopefully going to be completely decentralized and does away with a lot of the need for intermediaries and middlemen. But at the same time, 
I do think there's a role for regulation. I mean, a lot of people are, are getting their fingers burnt. Yeah. It's about making sure that what is marketed to people is done in a responsible yeah. way so that you don't promise the world uh, there are too many scams in our space. Uh, but at the same time, the existing regulation, I think, to a certain extent, is, is quite good. So the SEC, the FCA, they've already started looking into different ICOs that are, a bit, that are a bit too extreme. Some people are going to end up in jail or with massive fines. This is for sure. And there are jurisdictions like Gibraltar that have actually put a lot of thought into creating a framework for distributed ledger technology that will make it easier for legitimate credible ICOs or token sales to to take place. Yeah. Um, so it, there's there's a fine line to be played there. We, we're trying to just navigate that as, as best we can. Great. So we're coming to the end of the show now, and I've got one last question for you. What's your big vision? What's the future of Alice? Well, the future of Alice is creating this fully integrated ecosystem of actors in the social impact space. So that means bringing together donors, small donors, uh, big trusts and foundations and grant makers, bringing together the social organizations that are delivering these projects, uh, bringing together evaluators and validators in in our space, impact investors, and creating a system where you have radical transparency about the impact that is being made. And that's the vision for for the Alice Network Mm -hmm. itself. But I guess there's also a broader vision, which is uh, forming as many collaborations as we possibly can with credible partners, both in the blockchain space and outside more and more. And I, I, I think that's... I think that's pretty much it. It's going to take years. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a big, it's a great vision. And so, Raphael, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. So, you know, you just kind of put that call out. Where can people find out about you and about Alice? Right. Come to our website, alice.si. Most of the information is there. There are links to our foundational documents, like our white paper that lays out in almost painful detail what what we're trying to build. Um, There are also links there for our social channels. So if you're interested in getting involved and learning more, everything is there. And we're we're very open to feedback uh, and and collaborations. And what's your Twitter handle? So the Alice Twitter handle is Alice, so like Alice in Wonderland, right? Uh, Alice underscore SI underscore. And my personal one is Raph, R-A-P-H underscore Alice. Thank you. I also want to say a huge thank you again to Niall Dennehy uh, from AidTech. You can find out more by heading to their website, aid.technology. And to explore other global projects transforming lives with tech, like those featured in today's podcast, head to Nominate Trust's website. That's nominatetrust.org.uk. There you'll find more on the NT100 campaign, including our report, Transforming Lives with Tech, a global conversation, sharing insights from five years of NT100 projects and emerging social tech trends for 2018. Please do let us know what you think of this podcast. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be back in two weeks' time. But until then, from me, Ada Paris, goodbye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.